from the yeehaws to the yahoos and everything in between this podcast is for you hey guys we're back for our our next podcast episode our version of a round table talk except there's no table (laughs) it's round we're in a truck the only thing round in here is the steering wheel (laughs) (laughs) yeah lots of miles to go so we thought it would be a good time to talk to everybody so we ask um, for everybody to give us some questions that um, they wanted answers to from several different people and so we wrote all of those down and we're going to be trying to get you guys some good information some of it's from us and then we're going to ask a few other people um, which will be super fun so let's get right into it alright let's see here so we're drawing these if you're wondering we folded them up and we're drawing them completely randomly. random what is your barrel racing suggestions for beginners <laughs> Don't do it. That is my suggestion. (laughs) If you want to be sad a lot and broke more often than not, then you'll be a barrel raiser. No, I'm joking. It does bring a lot of happiness. Um, I think that my advice would be to get a good mentor. Somebody that's above you that's been there and done that and that can help you through those things. I think that you will progress a lot quicker. My turn your turn um yeah so i agree with i agree with that um i think you probably need to like be okay with like taking 10 grand and just throwing it in the trash first <laughs> and burning it and if you're cool with that then um i think that you should maybe go to some barrel races and even maybe take some lessons find somebody um who you know, if you have friends that do it, maybe talk to them and see who they would suggest. Um, because I think that's really important is learn from somebody who actually um, is knowledgeable and can actually teach you how to do things correctly. And then, if once you take lessons and maybe go to a few shows and watch, and you still like you decide that you definitely want to do it, then. Um, I would suggest having the person that gave you lessons help you find a horse. I think that's really important. Don't just go out and buy the first horse that you ride. Um, Take somebody with you that is, you know, really, that does a really good job um, in the sport and take them with you and let them help you pick out a horse that they feel like um, will help you. Don't go buy a young horse. You need to buy something that's older. Um, something that's been there done that because if you don't know what you're doing then how can you expect you know a young horse or a horse that doesn't know the pattern or whatever so you want that horse as well as your mentor to to be able to teach you and then you know you can you can move up from there so that would be my suggestion get a mentor take them with you to find a horse and honestly um Go to your friend's house when it's really, really, really cold outside for like a week in a row and help them clean stalls and then decide for sure. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, it is so much more hard work than it is enjoyment. 
spend way more time doing stalls than I do anything else. Yeah. And it's not something I enjoy, but there's a reason behind it and what keeps me doing it. And I think that you definitely have to figure out if you have that or not because not everybody's willing to do that. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're not going to do it correctly, in my opinion, then you're doing yourself and your horse a disservice. So um, if you're not willing to do it correctly, you're not willing to work hard, um, you're not willing to get the right help, then um, I, you know, I don't think you should do it. So just take all those things into consideration. And if you're good with it, then find you somebody to help you and have fun. I told you I'd read it. You want me to read it? What would you do if you were horse all backed off the trailer after getting one? Okay, sorry, that was real bad. It sounded like some kid that needs hooked on phonics. <laughs> and my handwriting is terrible, so that doesn't help. Okay. Um, I, honestly, my biggest thing is, which I know... I know that a lot of people already know about like Clinton Anderson's method, and but my first suggestion would be Google Clinton Anderson trailer loading and watch the video. Um, I know that's not very informative, um, but that is, I have done all kinds of things and believe me, I have seen so many different methods, trust me. Um, good, bad, ugly. Um, I've seen from treats to backing over a horse and not giving it an option like I've seen so many different ways and heard of so many different ways to load horses and I'm just telling you Clinton's way is absolutely the the best way to do it it's um, the most efficient way and it, it kind of gives you a leg up in the future so um, if you just beat them on or you treat them on um, at some point that's not going to work anymore and with his method it's a lot of like kind of giving the horse the option to do it you're not forcing them to get on you're not begging them to get on it's you know you it's kind of reverse psychology and um i think that you know that's why it works so well because you kind of turn it into the horse's idea and um i know somebody had asked what do you do if the horse will get on the trailer but they continue to back off um, your horse isn't tired enough. I mean, that's just simple. Um, because your horse should, should be like, he should be running towards the trailer. So if your horse is getting on the trailer and then he's backing off really quick, then he's not tired enough and he doesn't understand that the release is in the trailer. To him, the release is still outside of the trailer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And and that doesn't mean that you necessarily did anything wrong. No, you I didn't have, do anything wrong. I have a horse actually right now that I um, trained the Clinton Anderson way, and she's given us a little bit of issues with loading and things like that. And I think that it just takes some horses longer than others. Like, even though you did everything right, it didn't click in their brain yet that the trailer is the relief. And so you're just gonna have to do that longer. And if they back off, then put them back on until they don't back put off. Put them back like, to just work. Just keep doing it. Put keep them back doing. to work yeah. outside of the trailer. They need to. They need to be. So the the trailer is where they get air. A horse's biggest commodity is air. And so if 
that horse learns that it gets to breathe and it gets to relax whenever it's in the trailer, then it's going to be, it's going to be begging you to put it in the trailer. So, I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about the philosophy behind the method um, of how he does it for 15 minutes, but basically your horse isn't tired enough. So if your horse is backing off the trailer, work his ass and until he's begging you to go on and stay on. And when you're tired, hand the lead rope over to your to friend Ashley. <laughs> if you don't have a friend Ashley, you should probably get one because <laughs> yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, it's, it really does help in the beginning if you have somebody you can switch on and off because you can't let those horses have air outside of the trailer. Like, they they need to be moving their feet. Uh, it doesn't really matter in which direction, but they need to be moving their feet if they're, if they're on the trailer or if they're not on the trailer. Well, and something that I think is important that you reminded me of that I had completely forgot about because I watched that trailer video years ago. I probably need to go back and watch it again now that I have babies, but I had forgotten about, like, if they go to back off, don't make it their decision. You back them off before they do it. You, like, that was super helpful, and I had forgotten about that, so I think that, too, like, if, if they're thinking about backing off, back them off and make them work. Yeah, and the worst thing that you can do is once, once they get, like, front feet on, everybody wants to you want to rush them and you're like oh my god we're so close we're so close and the best thing that you can do is just back them off before they even get their back feet on um and it it needs to be their idea and they literally need to be jumping in the trailer like oh my god please let me in the trailer um so anyway like i said just watch that video um and and he explains it a lot better than what we are but um it's really not difficult the biggest thing is just um going when to release and um, getting your horse tired enough that, that that's what they want to do basically. What advice would you give on choosing a trainer for a horse? Um, oh, so many things. Um, I think that overall I would suggest knowing what type of trainer your horse needs off of their personality. Um, because I think that there is a difference. So, for example, I have a horse that's in your face, puppy dog, uh, nothing really bothers her. She's not scared of much. Um, I think that a trainer, any type of trainer, probably would suit her um, as far as, like, learning-wise. But I think that if she's not, like, pampered a little bit and, like, paid attention to, it's probably going to affect her. Um, so I would try to find a trainer that's, you know, not, not old school and just has them out when they're working with them and puts them up. Um, I have another horse that is scared of everything, prefers not to be around people. Um, humans are the worst part of her day. She gets that from her aunt. Um, and I probably wouldn't send her to a trainer that is going to be really rough on them. Like, I think that would set her way back. We've made a lot of progress with her. And so I think just knowing your horse's personality, A, and B, the best advice that I have learned is ask whatever trainer, if you've not worked with them yet, and my advice would be to ask their benchmarks. With a horse that's doing well, progressing the way you want to, where do you see this horse in 10 days? Where do you see this horse in 30 days? And 
it's going to depend on the horse. Not every horse can hit those benchmarks, but they should have an idea of everything goes well in their program, how they are going to move. And I think that that can, because we all have different expectations and different expectations for horses. And so I think that's really important to know, like time-wise where you're looking at with the horse. Yep, I agree with all of those things. And um, I would add that I think it's, also really important that you send your horse to somebody that you can ride behind i think it's um which i guess it depends on if you're talking about breaking a colt or if you're talking about like starting a colt on the barrels so if you're talking about breaking a colt especially and this would kind of it would also go with the barrels but i feel like more so um where she was talking about the benchmarks um, I, I think as a society, we have gotten very, very lax in, in the things that we expect from, um, especially in our, from area. our cult breakers. And, um, you know, that's not to say that, um, anybody's doing it wrong, but I think, you know, if you're okay with sending a horse somewhere for 90 or, you know, 120 days just to, to be broke, you know, that's fine, and, and that horse will, you know, probably, hopefully, come back super broke, but, you know, if you're somebody who, um, wants a colt, you know, broke in 30 days, um, if, if there are no issues, what, like she said, there's always an exception, and sometimes, you know, they get hurt, or sometimes they're just kind of, they've got issues that they have to work through, and so I know not, not every issue is ideal, but, you know, I think that, you have to, if you have, send a colt to a trainer who is a little bit slower, um, and that's, that's not really what you're going for, then you're going to be really, really unhappy with that. Um, or if you want a colt that, you know, is super, super, super broke, then maybe you need to find somebody that takes a little bit more time and, um, you, you need to be willing to, you know, maybe put some money out. But I, I do think as a whole, we have, we don't have high enough expectations for trainers. Um, I, I think that we, I know they have a hard job and I'm not saying that they don't, but you know, we also work hard for our money. And um, I think that they, we need to be getting, you know, our money's worth from trainers in my opinion. So I think it's really important to ask around. I think it's, you know, when you're talking about a barrel tra horse trainer, I think that you need to watch that person. You need to watch more than one horse of that person's go. And if their horses look like, if you look at that horse and you say, holy crap, that thing looks hard to ride, um, probably don't send your horse there, you know, because you're not gonna be happy. And they may be able to ride that horse and make it look really good. But if you're sitting there thinking, man, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could do that or not, then, there's nothing wrong with that training, but I, I would probably steer clear and, you know, maybe go somewhere else. So, um, it's really hard to do. It's hard to find. Ask around, watch, listen, um, be willing to travel. Yep. Be willing to travel. Because I'm not just talking about our area, but like just in general, like it, when you start looking at all of these aspects, it's really hard to find a trainer that has openings, let alone if you're looking for these certain things for your horses. And I think it's really important, too, and we don't need to leave it unsaid. Um, 
make sure a couple people that you know really well know these people because I think above all else you need a trainer that's honest and forthcoming with information. Yeah. You should know exactly what's going on with your cult. Now I'm not saying and that's we're not saying that you should be getting an update every single day. That no, is not no, the case. No. I think once a week, once every week and a half, if they just shoot you a message and say, Hey, we're doing good, like maybe send you like a video or two here and there. Um, don't be annoying. Like they don't have time for that. And honestly, if you haven't done, if you haven't trained, even like I don't know, finished a cold or whatever. Like there's only so much information. Those colds only learn so quickly. So they can't give you new information every day. So you know, don't be annoying. Don't be, don't be asking them every day. How's he doing? What's this? How's his poop look? What's he? Eating. Yeah, like we're, more, we're more so talking about, like, major issues. Like, if my horse is being an asshole, you know, don't tell me how much you love my horse and yada, yada, yada. Like, give me realistic information so I can adjust my expectations, too. Like, if my horse is, you know, doing great, like, okay, great, tell me they're doing great. But, like, if they're doing bad, also tell me that because I think that's something owners need to know. Um and have someone that's willing to communicate with that because I think there are trainers out there that are just you know trying to please and that's not necessarily a bad thing in certain situations but when you're wanting to know realistically where your cult's at and what to expect that can be a bad thing for them to not not like they're lying to you but they're just not telling you the whole truth and the last thing be willing to take them home they don't have to stay 30 days or 60 days or whatever. If you're not happy with it, pick them up and take them home. Don't waste your money. If you feel it in your gut. Yep. Pick them up. Take them home. Pivot. Do something else. What do you have in your first aid kit? Okay, so I'm, Holly's going to be the pro at this. So I'm just going to tell you a few things. Um, for a normal person that isn't like Holly, <laughs> things that I have, um, I have ulcer guard, I have, um, what's the other shit called? <laughs> Renewed. Carafate. Carafate, yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, I have that, and then, like, butanamine, of course, um. Driven Restore for your wounds. That is now in yes, my... Yes, it's a must. That is now in my um, kit. And then needles, syringes, Lasix, Dex is um, something good to have. Um, and then, or, you know, Equiox, I guess it depends on the horse. Um, what else do I have? Um, I can tell you what you have. <laughs> yes, I know. She stalked mine. I'm just this. Is, these are the things that I had before she like got me my own little medicine kit. I think I feel like those are the things that I use the most. So those are like the most important yeah, think, things to have. I think those are are super realistic things. So like I go above and beyond because I've been in the vet industry for ten years. So I don't expect you guys to have what I have and that's just because I have access to it and I am paranoid 
schizophrenic about anything that can go wrong, does go wrong, Murphy's Law, and I would have the stuff to take care of it in the event that I can't get a hold of a vet. I'm always going to try to reach out to a veterinarian no matter how experienced you are. I think that's the best thing that you can do. But I like to have things um, just in case because where we live, just in like, case, yeah. Where we live, I only have one vet for sure that will come to my house. And, and there's if another she's vet. Out, like, if she's out, then you're, like, probably hauling to tech, right? Yeah, like, I'm hauling somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's another vet that maybe will come. I'm not 100% sure. But, like, I live very, very far. And so, if it was something really bad and, like, my local vet was. And she's not even local. She's an hour away. So, like, if my local vet is out, um, if I don't have, like some stuff I'm gonna be screwed like yeah so I made a video on my YouTube page which we can share again um, but it's sugar run barrel horses I made a realistic packing a first aid kit video on there so you can see everything in detail um, but my number one thing beyond what Ashley said of view and band mean are the very most important for me um, and ulcer guard. And, and ulcer guard, <laughs> yes. Because um, you have my horses anyway. Yes, because in fact they can apparently colic and die from ulcers. But anyways. Yes, they can, I know, <laughs> for a fact, six grand later. <laughs> so, but beyond the view and banamine, the very next important thing for me is bandaging. Um, I've seen so many cuts and nasty things like that are bleeding really badly that people are like waiting for a vet to come out and like it's just not great so I think that's really important if you know how to bandage and if you don't there are some quick ways to do it that are safe um, they make some really nice boots now that you can put just like um, cast padding or standing wraps and things like that under that would help but um, definitely be comfortable with what you're doing but beyond that syringes needles the basic things that Ashley said um, beyond what she said, something that I keep and that a lot of people probably should, I feel like everybody or a lot of people have horses or know a horse that struggles with allergies. And so I think that a good um, bronchodilator is something else that you can keep um, in your first aid kit if you have a horse or even just silver solution, a nebulizer, that type of thing. I think that that's really handy to have. Um, and you said Lasix, right? Mm -hmm. I think that everybody should have Lasix in their kit. And I think every horse should run on it. But that's just my opinion. Um, I think that's it. But yeah, feel free to go over to that YouTube video if you want to watch that in detail. How do you deal with alley issues? This is my favorite question. Um, so I think if you have alley issues, you need to go to the vet first off because um, nine times out of nine times, it's probably started as a some sort of lameness. Either your horse bleeds, your horse is sore, and regardless of whether you want to admit it, your horse has been telling you for long time um, very subtly and you haven't listened so um, you just go to the vet like period um, once you do that and you're trying to, to work through it um, 
not stand at the gate. I know that's really hard for people. They like to go out and hang out, hang out and talk and whatever, but don't do that. Don't hang out at the gate. Don't get on your horse an hour before your run. Get on, give yourself enough time to warm up and then stay back and then either walk your horse in or trot your horse in or you know whatever you need to do but don't stand up there by the gate and um i mean it you know unfortunately it just it takes a little bit of time after those horses um, get sore or they bleed over and over and over um, to figure out that they're not sore or they're not going to bleed or whatever the whatever the problem was but your horses they're not um they're not doing it to make you mad they're not doing it to be a butthole regardless of what people think they're doing there is a reason that they're doing it and you're you are doing your horse an injustice by not figuring out what that is yeah so for me um we've gotten several horses that we knew were hot when we bought them um, and it's just not really ever a big deal to me because nine times out of ten, at least from the outside looking in, um, I know that those horses have issues that I can fix. So the three things that I do is get them to a vet for soundness, lameness, um, treat them for ulcers because even if it was the chicken or the egg that came first, whether it was lameness or ulcers, like usually that's gonna go hand in hand with stress and alley issues. Even if ulcers wasn't what started it, they're going to get ulcers worrying about the alley and stressing about it constantly. Um, and then the third thing is giving them Lasix. Look, or at least looking for signs that they are bleeding. When they come out, are they dropping their head? Are they coughing? Are they opening their mouth and gaping it open? on the way home are they shutting down all of those things are signs of bleeding and so if I even see one of those or think that it might just be a possibility I'm giving them Lasix to see if that helps so I agree with Ashley on all of those things um another thing that she said that is key for me is staying back um and I don't mean like back in the holding pins or you know like around the side of the arena like if if I can get away from the arena altogether, I will. Um, and then just going straight in. And when my horse decides and commits that they're going in, even if that is 40, 50 yards out, if they take off with forward motion, I'm not going to stop that forward motion. And I know that that is um, different for everyone, but that's just what has worked for me. I don't want to give the horse more time and slow their feet down to think about that and um, say, you know, to them, I feel like you're telling them, no, I don't want you to go. And then they have that whole process of whether they want to go in and, or again or not. That's kind of my keys to fixing horses that already have alley issues. But my advice is the original owner that those alleyway issues start with, don't take them back in the pen another time. If you feel hesitation, just even a little bit, it doesn't, the horse doesn't have to be rearing up or refusing or anything like that. If you even just feel a little bit of hesitation, get your horse to a vet. It's going to save you in the long run. Like, honestly, and there are a few horses occasionally that I feel like anxiety probably starts 
their alley issues, but I don't think that's as common. I think that anxiety makes it worse when their rider automatically starts pulling their reins back and kicking and whipping them on the butt and trying to get them to go in. You're just putting, I feel like it's like a pressure cooker. Like you're just adding pressure and adding pressure and adding pressure. Like you need to be calm. You need to send every message to your horse that it's okay and it's not a big deal to go in the alley. And um, I think that horses that have alley issues too that you're working through, it's like PTSD to them is to us. So if they've been hurt before, I feel like even if you fix those issues, if you've let them get so bad or to a certain point, you might not completely ever fix that alley issue. It's definitely going to get better, but you might always have to have a strategy or be thinking about the cues that you're giving your horse or that type of thing and make sure that you're staying on top of maintenance. But because of what I relate to our PTSD, that might always be there a little bit. So just keep that in mind and do what you find works for that horse. Um, and, and I think above all else, once you're, you've done all of those things, relieve, relieve the pressure in the alley. So get off your horse in the alley, pet your horse in the alley and loosen their cinch. Show them like, this is a good place to be. Yeah. And something else that I didn't mention was don't stop your horse. Just keep like before your run, like after you've warmed up, if you still have like a drag, um, maybe two. And if you have more than two drags, you are getting on too early. Do not get on a hot horse super, super early. They do not need that. They cannot handle it. Actually, some horses, it works best if you warm them up like early, go time to the trailer, let them chill. And then like two drags before yours, like get back on them. But when you're on them, do not stop. Even if it's not by the alley, just keep walking. Just walk, 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 walk. You don't have to do anything else, but do not stand by the alley. All right, I think that that's gonna be it for all of our questions for just me and Ashley. We are going to move on to another segment where we add in some of your fellow barrel racers and hear from them. Okay, we're back guys, but now, Now's the fun. Um, we're gonna do like a true um, table talk, round table talk. We've got, um, it's Holly and I and Becca Eastridge and Julie Castelli. So they're gonna, they're gonna get on here and give us their opinions on some of these questions. Okay, so first up is, do you prefer horses stalled in or out? Like when it's hot and when it's cold, but I like 
outside too so they don't buck me off. <laughs> yeah, and I mean. <laughs> but I got bought a broodmare and I, the only thing I really changed was she's inside a lot more and she's a lot fatter now. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's because she likes, she gets to rest and she doesn't have to move around a bunch. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I like both as well. I keep my horses turned out for about 12 hours a day and then I bring them in at night during the winter um, and during the summer when it gets hot I'll turn them, I'll flip that and I'll turn them out at night and bring them in during the day and that way when I get home they're already caught they're ready for me to ride in the evening um, but I think it's really really important that like for bone density and health and things like that that they get turned out for sure yes yeah, that's what we do too. They're in and, and what's mine, it all just depends on the horses. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. They're, they're, like Becca was saying about their weight. Yeah, I, I mean, don't I, have enough place to keep everything out all the time, so I'm rotating constantly. And some days I'm like, I wish I could just turn them all out and forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that's just it not feasible for me yeah. but um, I do try to get them out as much as possible but sometimes it I think they're a lot out that way they're a lot happier when they're outside yes I think so I think they're more I don't know I think it's more natural yeah, yeah. I think so too what about you Ashley I don't like to clean stalls so <laughs> that is a good point I like for my horses to be out as much as they can be so but I don't have sheds in all my fields so the field, I have one field that has a shed and those horses are out um, pretty much 24 7 if it's unless it gets really cold like even if it's like 20s or even like 15 sometimes like mid-teens I'll just put like blankets on and leave them out um but if it gets really, really cold, especially for several days, I will bring everybody in because it's easier for me because I got heated buckets and stuff inside. But um, otherwise, they're outside 24-7 unless um, in the summer I bring them in during the day because I don't like them stomping flies and I don't want to have to catch them when I get home. But in the wintertime, if it's decent outside, their asses are out. I ain't, I ain't cleaning stalls if I don't have to. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all mine are feral in the winter. Like, I guarantee you. Yeah, they're feral. But this, is, I got Rayleigh at the house now. And so now, you know, we do tailbacks and rain sheets and all kinds of fancy shit now. So, you know, <laughs> that's a whole new, that's a whole new level of care that my horses are not used to getting that they're getting this winter. So, um, Taylor's horses, when she come home for winter break, the only thing you can see on their bodies was their nose and their ears. That would probably be, that would be they Rayleigh. Had, they had full body slinkies on and winter blankets with neck pieces. Like, the only thing you can see was their noses. <laughs> that's hilarious. Her horses were shivering because they didn't have any hair. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, I think that also matters. I mean, if I had a horse that had to be in or what had to be out or whatever like I'll do whatever the horse needs but I'm just talking like ideally if I cannot clean stalls that's what I'm gonna do so you know yeah. but all right next topic what do you consider routine maintenance 
I get first, Julie? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I mean, it really just depends. But, it's, I mean, routine for me is whatever they need. Like, if they need their hawks and their stifles done every year, we do hawks and stifles every year. I think they should have their teeth done every year. And, I mean, I go to the vet a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, Ruth, I mean, I feel like a performance horse, their hawks and their stifles are going to get sore. 90% of the time, if you have one of those special horses that doesn't ever get sore, then you're doing whatever you're doing is working. Because mine are sore. They get sore. Yeah, and like you said, they have, I feel like that's so rare. Like, it's definitely a special horse if it does. And you don't find them yeah. very much. I've never found one personally myself. I've never been that lucky. But for me, routine maintenance, um, to start the year, I want my horses looked at to make sure they don't have anything lingering from the previous previous year, just something freak that has happened in the field. So I like to get a baseline lameness on them um, uh-huh. from my vet in the beginning of the year, get their vaccines, get their teeth done, all of the things that you said. And then I think in general, me and Ashley both agree on this, for any performance horse, it's good to have them looked at, even if you don't think anything's going on, about every six months. That way you oh, can yeah. catch things early, because the earlier you catch it, the better. Yep. Because usually by the time you catch it, they have a problem. Yeah. Yep. If you don't get them looked at, then we have a problem, and then it's an even bigger mess to get fixed. Yep. Yes, it is. What about, Julie, I know that you do a little bit of it, too, but, like, uh, what about both of you guys with, like, supplements and, like, Adequan or anything like that? Do you guys do things like that? I'm a big fan of Adequan. Like last, in the summer last year, I went to Park Equine, and I mean, flashlight hadn't been injected in two years, and he could, I mean, you could hardly point out anything wrong with him. I mean, I just felt there was something, but I mean, she couldn't really pinpoint anything on even He had been on Adequine for the last two years, so... It's expensive, but I, I do believe it works. Um, but Glenn's not a big fan of me going to the vet all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, I try to go when I can, but uh, or when I think there's something wrong, because even trail ride and stuff, I can tell when there's something wrong. Yeah. But um, I had to, uh, was positive for anaplasmosis and Lyme, so... I did get them treated for that and, and teeth maybe once every other year I don't know not very often that I do teeth I usually don't keep one long enough but, <laughs> um, but yeah before I even start training off or anything I do have their teeth checked and, and if there's any issues if they floated, whatever I get that done but Other than that, that's about all I did. Do you have anything to add, Ashley? No, I mean, I, I like to go. If I if I just feel a hint of something, I, I do like to have them looked at. Um, it gets it really expensive, and so I think there's, like, a line that's realistic with, you know, like, weekend warrior people where 
you know, to go to performance, but it's so expensive, and so it is hard to do, but I, I do want to point out that there's absolutely nothing wrong with not being able to take your horse every three months or every six months and get them injected, but yeah. if you can't do that, then they need to stay home. Like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. keep them home um, until you can. I mean, if they're sore and they need injected and you can't afford it, that's fine, but don't go to the barrel race. Like, that's just, you know, right. I think that... I love Adequan. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, if my, I mean, typically I need hawks and stifles on everything. I just feel like that's routine. I don't know very many horses that don't need that if they go a good bit. Now, you might be able to get away with that if you don't go a lot, you know, without getting that done. But um, I think that's pretty routine. And I mean, God, Chesney, she gets everything under the sun injected usually. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know. I think her and Hank usually get like 17, 18 injections at once. <laughs> that's, yeah, I have to do Alpha too because, and that's kind of like. That's exaggerating, but like. It is a lot. Like, but it is a lot. It's like, I'm it's like. Their whole body. I'm like, do you have any joint that doesn't have Alpha 2 in it? I'm not sure. We were just talking about this today. Confirmation goes a long way. Yeah, and she has terrible confirmation. So, like, if you're buying a horse, don't buy one that looks like Chesney because you're going to be screwed. <laughs> so. I've got know. one too. It's not that hot. And I blame Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll put up with injecting her hawks as much as I need to, though, to have her. She's worth it. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. You know, there's a fine line of like, looking for confirmation if you have several horses that you're looking at and trying to decide between them it's probably a good thing but like i wouldn't let it keep me from a really nice, nice horse. horse yeah i mean uh, yeah yeah i agree okay next question all right what is your favorite saddles and saddle pads and why ashley you go first me yeah um, it depends on the horse, honestly. I like, I really like my Stingray, but it's heavy, but it sits me nice. I also have a Robbie that I really like, um, and I, I like my Stingray out of the pen. I like my Robbie in the pen, um, which sounds really stupid, but that's just the truth. Um, and saddle pads, I don't really care but I do find um I think if you have a horse that's hard to fit personally for me if I've had a horse that was hard to fit um CSIs have done really well for me for a lot of like weird fitting horses but overall just typically um I like best ever pads I like the like inch thick um best ever pads and I like five star and I I would always want to say like they're similar but I also have like inch thick five stars and they don't work as well for me which sounds really stupid but that's just um I have to say probably I prefer best ever in CSI so that's just what's worked for me the best I have really fat like roly-poly horses without withers so 
Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. I um, am in the middle of my saddle trying stage. I feel like I haven't found <laughs> a favorite saddle yet. Um, because I rode in Pro Riders forever, and I never really had an issue with them. They're good saddles. I like. Them. I think for like a you know for a medium like of the line. I guess you could say they're they're really good but I wanted to find a more expensive saddle um and so I bought a posy and I thought that I loved it um it is the most out of any saddle like I've tried Robbie's I've tried a seven I've tried um I've had Corrient days and pro riders and I've tried your Martin like out of all of those saddles it's the most comfortable to sit in I broke my tailbone and like it's the only one that I can sit in that I can't like feel any discomfort from that from but in the pen like on Reese it was fine because she just took me to my points and like took care of me but now that I'm riding a little bit younger of a horse like if anything happens and I get thrown forward, my feet go behind me really bad. Like their stirrups, in my opinion, for my riding style is way too free swinging. So it's not for me, I've determined, but I'm also like trying to find one because I didn't like the Robbie. It was really uncomfortable to me that I tried. I really like Ashley Stingray, but I've never ran in it. And her saying that like it's her favorite outside of the pen, but not in the pen make, like, makes me a little bit unsure. So I'm just still trying to figure out a saddle. But as far as pads, um, five star are my favorite. I have a best ever that I just bought and I like them pretty good too. But five stars are just a little bit more soft and like flexible and I just like them a little bit better. What about you, Becca? And I bought, well, Taylor bought a Robbie, and so then I had to have a Robbie. <laughs> and, and I got it, and I loved riding it at home, but I just couldn't ride, and I could ride Finley in it, but like a horse that I can't keep up with, like I just couldn't keep up with them in it. And so I, I'll ride a Robbie at home, and I run, and I run Finley in a Robbie, but like I ride my Martin on, like I rode it on and I rode it, I rode it on ears. I just, I got another Robbie that the, like the front end of it's higher, kind of like an FX3. And I do like it, but I'm still, I think I'm going to go back to my Martin because I just, I can't ride as confident in it because I know, like, if I make a mistake, it catches me kind of. Right. And it puts my feet really far forward and I sit down and I just really, but it's heavy. I hate how heavy it is. Yeah, I do too. But... And I love my CSI saddle pads. Um, it fits. Finley's really funky. She's got a real weird back in it. I mean, that's, no saddle really fits her, but my CSI makes her not sore. But it rolls. My CSI saddle pad rolls on ears. Because she's got, I don't know, she's just not real chunky. And so I feel like it rolls on her. So I run a best ever pad on her. <laughs> that's funny. But I didn't know the way like the same pads that's funny <laughs> yeah but I don't really like at home I don't really care like I'll just throw whatever pad I have in the barn if I don't have to walk up to the trailer I'll throw whatever pad I have there on a there is a I difference thought maybe you'd buy that pad off the deedle that you used at the final <laughs> shut up years ago. <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> <laughs> my mom's couch I my know. grandma's couch it was terrible <laughs> 
uh, cactus, sovereign. Uh, I got a seven saddle, which I really like right now. Um, um, my favorite was probably the Martin FX3. But I just didn't like the the, the weight of it. They're so heavy. They are so heavy, but they are the most comfortable thing I think I've ever rode in. But they are. Yeah. So for people that want to know, how is an FX3 ride? So they set you in deep and they put your feet forward. Okay. Yep. But I, they, think I mean, so for a person, I mean, I lean forward a lot anyway, so it kind of was good for me because sometimes I get a little too forward. But, um, I mean, I just, I really did like them, but I, I think that the Stingray's stirrups are actually set a little bit more forward even than what the FX3 are. So, like, if you are somebody who, who you want your feet forward, but you don't want them, like, up at their freaking shoulders forward, like, then I think an FX3 would be probably, like, a really good in-between. Like, it's going to hold, keep your feet forward. But it's not going to be as much as the Stingray. I feel like the Stingray right, are like very forward. Yes, because when I had Chesney here for that little bit of time, yeah, was that last year or year before? Year before, I think. I rode in it, and that, yeah, it was a big difference between that and the FX3. Yeah, yeah. So just from and then the the BTRs, which I had a BTR and I do like it, but it's the least amount. Like it's still. They're still, like, kind of forward, but it's the least amount. I feel like it's, like, a BTR, FX3, and then a Stingray, like, as far as feet forward, in my opinion. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not really picky about my, I, I don't know. I just ride in them. I just, it doesn't really matter to me. I get on. I get on, you know, the one on and go. It just, I do feel, I do feel more comfortable in my seven saddle at this point out of all the saddles I have. Right. Right now. But, um, yeah, I well, mean, I really like it. It, it sets me down deep and it sets, puts my feet forward too, but, um, it's got the pencil roll. I do really like it. And I would like to have another one, but once I don't have anything running good enough. Any saddle force. <laughs> <laughs> he said I shouldn't even bought that one, but I did. <laughs> what about a saddle pad? A saddle pad, I like my CSI. I only have one of those. I do have a five star. I actually like it. Was that that Snyder pad that we tra- that I traded for you, from you? Uh, Was that a Snyder pad? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I use it on Hudson. Um, and I got the five star. I like. Uh, I like I got a saddle right. I bought it last year, I think. It was last year. And I really like it. Um, I, pr- I probably wouldn't buy another one now. Yeah, I think there's a, only a certain kind of horse that you can use a saddle right on. Like, they're really nice pads, but I bought two of them for two different horses, like, several years apart. And I just really, like, I just didn't have a horse that it really would work for. So, I ended up selling both of them. I like them. I think they're good quality, but they're just a, they're kind of a weird pad. Like They're, they're not for roundback horses at right. all. No, they're not, which is what all, pretty much all my horses are. And Happy's too sway back for it to work on him. Like, his, he's not very <laughs> wide, but he's so sway back that it didn't work for him either, so. Yeah. But I just really don't have a favorite. 
If I were to pick, it probably would be the CSI. I feel like, truthfully, like if you are somebody who doesn't want to have to buy a lot of saddle pads, I think that yeah. a CSI is the best all around. Like you're going to be able to fit a CSI to the most, like, I'm not saying it will fit every horse, but I think they're the most versatile pad, in my opinion. I agree. CSI, every saddle pad I've ever had, the CSI is the most versatile. They're the, also the ugliest, but they are, like, the most versatile, I think. I think the one that I have is, like, I bet you it's five years old, and I just flipped the liner this past fall. I just told some, I just was talking to Ricky, because where they bought, I always the CSI's fit happy the best and where they just bought him uh, I've, she's been using my CSI and of course you know I was like they're like 400 bucks now and I said but you can get them used a little cheaper I said but I have two of them I have had them I bought both of mine off of Kelsey Grow like maybe I'll bet it was five or six years ago and I still haven't flipped mine and they're like great yeah. I mean they last and it's cool because you can flip the liners out so like you can make that pad be a three quarter or an inch or half inch or whatever yeah. just by like flipping liners so that's also really cool all right um, that's it all right next. it's really nice i've looked at those What's the next question, ladies? Exhibition or no exhibitions on a finished horse? No. No. What about on when do you when do you guys both stop doing exhibitions? Let me think. I would say probably exhibition their first year of hauling uh -huh. and then it's either figure it out if you don't know if they don't know where the freaking barrel is at that point then it's time they're to not move gonna they're not going to know it's time to get rid of them start a new one I like it I, like I agree it. <laughs> I agree with that too I mean once they're going um, I think there are a couple exceptions like Bernice, I got her, and she's, like, super solid, but she hasn't been there and done that, and I found out that, like, I didn't even think about it, and I took her to the best of the best, and she, like, something caught her eye, and she, like, jolted sideways, and didn't even, we didn't even make the run, and I was telling Ashley, I was like, I just take her for granted, because I feel like she's been there and done that, because she acts like that, but she hasn't, like, she had never been to an indoor so I think like it's good to just get them in there and see the new sites if they've oh. never been to places like and that. And then you are just now like you were just starting a runner, so yeah, I feel like you needed it too. So it's not just the horse. And like last year, my first show back this, in, like I think in June, I hadn't showed for months. And the first show I went to, I took flashlight and I exhibitioning because I hadn't been nowhere. I mean, I didn't do anything crazy, just I think I slow loped him through and he didn't even act like he knew where he was going or what he was doing, so. <laughs> I mean, that's an exception. If, you ain't, if they haven't seen the pattern in months, 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 just the ghost cruise through, like, slow once. Yeah. I think it helps, it helps me. It may not help him, but it helps me. Yeah. But... I ain't gonna 
get balls to the wall running. No, 50 times. No. I agree with that. I have, I think it depends on, like, I have, like, Chesney's really solid in a lot of pins, but she hasn't been a lot of places, so, like, sometimes I think she kind of, she kind of forgets she's a barrel horse, and so it's good if I can get her in and, like, let her see um, where the barrels are, but I don't, like, I'm not going to run her, and I'm going to take her in once and, like, let her see them and then be done, so I think there's also a difference in, like, there's a difference in I'm not gonna make a run on her in exhibition. Like I'm gonna let her, yeah. you know. Or if I think the ground is like something that she's maybe not gonna like love, then I'll let her. I'll trot her through or maybe slow lope her through so she can feel the ground. But like I'm not gonna make a run in exhibition on an open horse. Like I'm just not gonna do that. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Right. Next question. What is your dream stallion? Oh, this is different. Mm. Is this dream stallion like? Are we talking like, about like owning or to breed to? To breed to. To breed to. Okay. Because I was gonna oh, say that yes. ain't one I want to own. <laughs> Money's not a question. If you could breed to any stat, stud, what would you? What would you breed it to, and what mare would you breed it to? I'm gonna add to it. Make it fun. Mine would be the good but. Mine would be the goodbye lane, and I would breed race to it. <laughs> okay. There's so many good ones. It's so hard. I would probably breed to Dash to Heaven after having ears. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just a freak. Like, she's an idiot, though. <laughs> she's so retarded. Because <laughs> there's so many quirks that I don't want to put up with forever, and I hope she grows out of them. But was, she is a freak. I was thinking of your and Jimmy Bryant's conversation at Nationals the other day when I read Lena Warner's post about how her mom knows how JL Dash to Heavens are the first couple of times you get on her. <laughs> They're idiots. I would talk to people. I'd be like trying to warm her up, but she's jumping sideways and trying to kill me. And I'm like, do they all act like this? And they're like, yeah, forever. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. This is a hard one for me, guys, because. Who would you breed to him, Becca? I would love to breed Martha to him because Martha's a cash not credit. Okay. And that's like the number one. That's what yours is on on her mommy's side, and that's like the number one cross on Dash to Heaven. That's cool. I did not know that. I didn't know that that was yeah. yours. I, if I had all kinds of money, that's who I would breed Martha to. But I mean, I would probably breed Finley to him too. But then I'd really have a group take. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, what about you? I said this is going to be a hard one because I don't know. I know. I know why it's so hard. Huh? I said I know why it's so hard because it doesn't matter what you breed. You can make them one D barrel horses. I don't know. It's just, I just, I don't dream because I know it's never going to happen so <laughs> I just got to work with what I got you know um, I don't know 
honestly. What about you, Ashley? I like the audio source, but oh, yeah. I just think he's pretty and ornery, and I like all everything. I like he's all that. He's ornery. He is. It's I so like funny. all of it. And I would get. I think I would go along with him because <laughs> that's just what I like. But um, I don't know. Honestly, person. he's I just a hot thing right now. He's just. But, I think. I think mine would be. Now I think I've changed. Like I used to say, jail dash to heaven, and I do love him. I'd love to have a jail dash to heaven on a breeze. Um. But I honestly think if I had the money to do it one time and I could spend any amount of money, I think I would bring her to Trace Ace. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, think, I like Trace Ace, too. I think that would be my pick if I if I could only do it once and if I had the money to bring to anybody and I could only do it one time and had to, like, that had to be the baby, I think it would be, I think that's who it would be. I also really like the Goodbye Lane. Um, Out but, of Breeze. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to breathe. But I, but I think if I could only do it once, I had to pick one that I think it would be Tracy's. Julie, what mare are you bringing to Audios? Ray Presley. Honestly. That'd make Honestly. Hell of a yep. baby. It would. <laughs> yep. Okay, next question. Oh, I wasn't ready. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what a passenger princess. Get your shit together. <laughs> Ooh, blanket or no blanket? What? temperature i know we're all different on this because becca's blank i see her on snapchat it's 50 degrees outside and she's got blankets on her horse um i don't like hair and i don't like brushing horses listen i don't like brushing horses either i bought that's the big reason is i don't like brushing my horses same I bought rain sheets this year, so when it gets too hot for winter blankets, I can put that oh, on. Oh, they have sheets on. They have rain. They're, that's what they are. They're lightweight blankets, and it's 60 degrees, and they got them on because it's money. Yep. I'm a bad horse mom. So, me and Becca definitely blanket. I, I used to blanket like, everything. You did? Yes. I'm I so used to blanket surprised everything. By that. Ask Glenn. It would drive him crazy. At what temperature would you blanket? Maybe we'd be blanketed all the time. Except, like, today I would take their blankets off. But, yeah. put them back on at night. But this is when I was not working. And all <laughs> I had, that's all I had to do is take blankets on and off. And, <laughs> but when you get a job and you go to work and it's 60 degrees and you come home and your horses are standing and it's all sweating. <laughs> you take the blankets off before you went to work. It's just, I just don't do it no more. Yeah. And Glenn ain't taking blankets off. Yeah, so Becca, what what temperature do you do you put blankets on? If it's 50, like in the fall, like August, if it's 50 in the evenings, I'll throw blankets on so they don't start growing hair. And I mean, they have like they do this bad because they probably should have had their blankets off. But I didn't realize it was going to get that warm, and I went and caught them, and they might have been sweating a little bit in the field. <laughs> but I mean, it's fifty. They got a blanket on. It, but now, like Josie Braley's little mare, she's a woolly mammoth, and she doesn't have a blanket on right now. She gets one when it's cold. 
And then Martha, she's bald, so I tried to make her grow some hair. So she doesn't have one on right now either. But but like my the babies that are out in the field that live outside, they don't have blankets. Unless it's really, really cold and like icy, then I'll go throw the blankets on them. Yeah. But I like my blankets because I don't like brushing my horses. Same. I don't yeah. brush my horses either. My, my three old retirees that live outside, they get they don't get blankets until it's like uh, mid twenties. I'll start putting blankets on them, but they have really thick, like curly. Yes. Yeah. So seems like the older they get, the thicker their hair gets, the longer it gets. Yes. Yeah, they get prepared. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Ashley? Um. Blanket anything at all. I blanket Breeze um, when it gets in the mid 20s because she actually gets cold. Like she starts getting cold in the mid 20s, um, so she'll have a blanket on and nobody else will. But I don't typically blanket anything until it gets to at least 20 um, or below. And then um, I did buy we did buy rain sheets this year, and I do love those. And I have actually used those a lot. Um, like this week where it was warm. We used um, those rain sheets, like we kept rain sheets on the ones we were riding all week. But as far as winter blankets, like mine get them when it's below 20, except Breeze. Um, and then she gets it like mid 20s. But if it's above, if it's above 20, they don't have blankets on unless it's, unless it's a rain sheet. And we, I did start doing, um, we do do tail bags. I've done them this year because I hate um, ice balls and stuff like that, so we I do um, do tail bags more so than anything else. But so I do blanket, but I, it has to be it has to be pretty cold before I blanket. And if I bring them in, like if it's nasty, and I bring them in and I close the doors, like even if it's like 15, I, that's iffy. I may not blanket then either. It just depends on the horse. So. Is that our last one? This no, one? we have one more after. So we have two more. What is your pre-run routine? Go, Saddle boy. Up. circles, walk. I do a lot of them trot. What do you mean as far as like warming up? Uh, yeah, like how early, so like how do you, how early do you go get on your horse? Like ideally, I know sometimes you don't get to choose but like ideally if you if you got on your horse and you had like everything the way you wanted it to be like how like how early would you get on what do you do do you warm up like and then tie back to the trailer or whatever like what it what's your like ideal like pre-run like what would you do i'd say about four 35 40 horses of when i go get my horse to go start saddling clean up wait about maybe 15, 20 horses before I get on. And I just do a lot of long trotting and uh, I stay away from the pen. I stay away from the pen till it's time for the run and when I get done running, I get off, take boots off, loose the saddle and go back to the trailer and unsaddle and them off to the tot, walk them around, and put them up. That's 
that's my routine. <laughs> now, do, you, do you run on? Do you run on I just started over the last, I think, year and a half. Which I don't go. My, I haven't went to many shows, but I feel like it's helped. Yeah, I do. I do some of the same things as you, Julie. I um, I can tack up pretty quickly, so I typically start tacking 20 horses before. Um, I give Lasix in the vein two hours out for my run, um, and then I tack up about 20 horses. Sometimes I'm in a rush and it's like 15 horses before, but I... Ashley taught me this and like I found it really helps my anxiety like 10-15 horses is my warm-up period I'm not on longer than that and I stay back from the pen like you do and I'll typically start it depends on how far I am away from the pen but I'll start typically heading up there um, when I'm on deck and then um, I just do a bunch of long trotting too. If we have an arena, I'll lope a little bit, but I'm a big believer in don't wear your horse out before you run, so I don't even lope them a lot unless it's a horse that I feel like needs loped out or something like that. Um, my husband's horse, Hank, likes to get a little froggy sometimes, so like if he's on the tractor and I'm warming him up, I'll be more likely to lope him than I would like Bernice or somebody. But All right. And then I always pray before my run too. What about you, Becca? I mean, kind of the same stuff. I just, I'm usually talking and I don't know what number I am, so I'm normally late. <laughs> I'm usually throwing crap everywhere. But, I, like, today I got on with, like, I don't know, 30 horses, and it was actually kind of relaxing to not be in a rush. And But I... I trot a lot, but I I let my horses down a good bit because I don't want bucked off. <laughs> Finley has I have flashbacks every time I run Finley now, where she tried to buck me off at the state show, and and ears she's never bucked, but you just gotta I like them to be sweating a little bit. Like I like them to be warm. I don't want to take any chances. Yeah. <laughs> but then run. Pull boots, give them some water, and then, I mean, give them their hay bags, put them back in their stall. Just try not to miss my run, because normally I'm talking and I'm behind. But Do you run on laces or with flare strips or anything like, anything special? I was running Finley last year on Lasix, because she got to where she wasn't wanting to go into the pen. And... She, I noticed who she would like cough when she did come out and so I started running her on Lasix and I did feel like it gave me like even when she was being a turd going in like I feel like I still had a horse underneath me when she took off like into the pen Yeah. and after she tried to buck me off I took her to the vet and we needed she needed her hawks done and she needed treated for EPM and ulcers and I asked him if I said, well, I've been running this mare on Lasix. Should I keep running her on Lasix? And he told me no to see, like, let's give this a try and see if this works. So I haven't ran her on Lasix since. And she is going into the pen better. And I think a lot of hers, like, not being able to run is because she was so fat. And so, like, this year, like, I've been riding the crap out of her. Like, I want her, I'm like, she used to clock really good. Why is she not clocking? Oh, because she's 200 pounds heavier than she used to be. 
Right. So I've been trying to really get her in really, really good shape. And I feel like if a horse is in good shape, they're less likely to need Lasix or less likely to bleed. So it's, she went in good today. Like, she kind of was a turd, but then as soon as she, when she decided to go, she went and she ran hard. But I hate having to worry about, oh, crap, did I give Lasix? Or, I, you know, I hate to have to worry about giving something. Yeah, but I always try to give um, ulcer medicine, too. Normally, like this morning, I give ulcer guard before I left the house. And then, like, if I'm at a show, they'll get a tube of ulcer guard every night. And I love sore no more. I spray sore no more everywhere just to make sure nobody gets sore makes me feel better yeah but sometimes I'll poultice after in the yeah yeah I'll typically use THT wraps or driven liniment or so I have a, a variety of things that I use but I typically like to do that at least if we're stalling overnight too and then I where I do give Lasix, I always give electrolytes afterwards, and also we keep them on um, ulcer meds the day of and a couple days before usually. What about you, Ashley? I have like a pretty, like, ideally, I like to get on, and it does depend on the tractor, because like if you, the tractor guys, like, because if they're a little bit quicker than it makes a little bit or a little bit slower but ideally I like to go get my horse at 30 horses out I like to get on um, 15 horses out and then that gives me two drags to warm up and then I have one drag to just walk around and like move them over and that kind of stuff and I do lope I do lope I have to at least lope a few because I'm 95% sure both of my mares would buck me off if I didn't lope before I went in yep
and depending on it just depends but sometimes I'll take them and let them eat grass again um, it just depends it depends on how long they've been out and that kind of stuff but I'm pretty big on not immediately taking them back to the stall I don't like to do that so that's just my little my little weird thing but that's what I do what about Lasix do you run on Lasix um, I run happy on Lasix but I don't I haven't had to run either of the other two I haven't really felt like they needed it um, but I would if I ever like I feel like they run hard I don't feel like I've lost I don't feel like they struggle to run home, um, home but I'm super big about like them being in relatively good shape too so I don't know I mean some horses it doesn't matter um, what you do they're just gonna bleed but so far knock on wood we've been okay but I mean um, if I need to get blessings I will I just haven't had to yet so but moving over and 
tipping their nose and doing figure eights and things like that. Like I just keep them light and responsive um, and try not to let them get bored. Like I think that it's really easy to just like get on a finished horse and not ask them to do a lot because you already know that they know how. But I think it's important to keep them sharp just doing those small things at home and I um, haven't been the best at it but it is my goal this year like I think that in my opinion I want to slow work my finished horses um, I, I think it's crazy when people and I've done this I've been guilty of this like I just don't think that your that your horse is going to be at the top of their game if like you don't do a little bit of slow work that's like asking a track star to like never jog or like I mean, do any, anything like that. Like, just they stay in shape in the gym or whatever they do, but, like, they're never running. Like, I think that to be to be at the top of their game, they need to do slow work. And so I'm, I'm going to get better at that for sure. Yeah, I really agree with that. I think a horse, too, can't use those. Like, if you're not working those muscles at home, it's not the same as long trotting in the field if you're not sitting down and turning a barrel. Yes. Like, those muscles are totally different. I agree. Yep. So, I work a lot of, like, I'll work my, my barrels, I'll have them set up normal, and I'll work them all the same way. And, like, I'll go to the right, and I'll go to the first, like, to the right barrel, and then to the third barrel, and to the second barrel. And then I'll go to the left and work them all the same way, but I still, like, I make them hit their spots, I make them sit down at their barrels, tuck their butt up under them, and hit every spot around the barrel. Yeah, and I think it's important because I know exactly what Becca means and, and me. We don't mean, like, run your horse full out at home every day of the week. Like, we, no. we definitely don't no. mean that. We truly mean, like, slow work. And I think, like, a couple days a week is plenty for me anyways. Yeah. But yeah. I think yeah. there's definitely a fine line of you don't want to run them in the ground at home. But you can also no. keep them sharp and slow work. Yeah. I'll set up four barrels, too, like, in a square and like lope to different barrels the same direction and even like i'll cruise them through and like sit down and like go to my horn and then make them move out and go to the next barrel like at a different different barrel in the square I've done that too like it, it helps me too like it helps get my timing figured out and yeah. it just it helps both of us stay sharp and i don't know i think it just helps them keep those muscles working too yeah and like with my with my gelding, I can't. I don't. I, I set one barrel up in the middle of the pen because if I set the pattern up, he's just he gets too clustered. So I work off that one barrel. Mm-hmm. And my my indoor's not big enough to set up four barrels and do all that stuff. So I just work off one barrel. I do like a lot of small circles and I set them down. I move them over. Yep. Um, and I do work off that one barrel or even like a round bale out field or mm-hmm. something like that. I work we have off a big like different stuff. In our yeah. Slope around. Because if I set the pattern up, he just he loses his marbles and it's just not good. But it depends on the horse. That's yeah. a really Two. good way. Like both of the I mean, what I would call drills that you guys have explained. That's a good way to get them, keep them working those same muscles and your timing sharp, but also not wearing them out on the same pattern. Yep. 
I'll work those four barrels way more than I work the barrel pattern. Unless, like, unless they're not wanting to sit down and use their butt, and I'll go back to, like, my three barrels. But I have four barrels set up all the time. What about you, Ashley? I don't have a pin that's, like, that I can run in, so... Um, I do have like ground worked up, but it's relatively like you can hollow, but that's that's about it. Um, and you can only do that if it's really dry. So um, I actually don't set. I I do have barrels set up right now because um, just for other reasons. But um, typically I work tires. I don't work barrels, um, but because I think. It doesn't hurt a horse, I mean, at all, obviously, because, like, you know, you guys do it. But to me, like, I don't, especially if they're finished, like, I don't really care if they see the barrel pattern. But I just want them to listen to me. So, I don't really, I feel like they don't, if the barrel's there, then they're associating that with the barrel. And, like, for me, sometimes I just want them to wait on me. So, like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a tire if it's a rock, if it's whatever, if I sit down and I grab your nose and I ask you to turn, I don't care if it's a barrel or what it is, I just want you to do it. So, I use tires a lot um, for that, and I rarely do the actual pattern, so I do a lot of, like, same direction stuff, like you were talking about, low but the same way, and that's a really good exercise um, to get them in shape. That's actually a lot harder on them than what you would think it would be. I, mine are usually oh, yeah. pretty hard when you do that, and I think you'd be really surprised at how hard it is for a horse um, to lope all three barrels the same direction. Like, I feel like they, can, they get really flustered, and so I think if they get flustered, then you need to do it more often. Like, um, so anyway, I, that's, that, I don't do a lot of drills. I just don't have the ability to do a whole lot of stuff at home. So, um, my biggest thing is just that they're paying attention that if I grab your nose and I sit down and I ask you to turn, that you come around and you don't just keep going. Um, and another thing is like, if I ride square past something, I don't want you to automatically think that we're going to turn it either. Like, I just want them to wait on me. Like, I don't want them yeah. to do anything I agree. before I tell them to do it. Um, and so I think that. And then something else that I do at home is um, I like to ride in a bit that is not always. But, like, I know Timber is really bad. She'll get dull. And she, you, can't ride, you can't run her in, like, a twisted wire or whatever because she gets mad and she'll fight you. Um, but she gets dull in like the bit that I run her in. So I like, I don't have to do that with every horse, but I know with her at home, like I do work her in a different bit a lot of times than what I run her in to keep her sharp. Because if I don't, she gets really dull, like moving over and like me grabbing her nose. Like I just feel like she gets lazy with it. So I, I, I like to own her and like I have to change the bit. So. That's what I do too. I don't ride in what I run in. I ride in a different bit, like, every day. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I do think, I don't think every horse needs it. I don't think it's, like, a rule at my house that that's what we do. Um, but I, yeah. I think, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, like, there's definitely a time for, you know, like, a different, a different bit, okay. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I'll grab something, and that's what everybody gets rode in for the day. 
Like, it doesn't matter who I'm riding, that they're all getting rode in the same bit. And then, like, I'll, James says that I'm crazy because I have different bits on different horses all the time. And I'm like, well, what if, like, we were, this is an example, we were at Canvas, and I hadn't had Finley to a barrel race since August, and I didn't put her bit on the trailer. Right. Like, there was, she did, I didn't have a bit in there, and I was like, well, I've rode her in this at home. And so, like, she knew, you know what I mean? Like, because she'd been rode in it so it wasn't scary like it didn't terrify her to put a different bit in her mouth and she still went in and did her job like anything could happen your bridle can fall apart and you're in the next drag so you got to grab something else yeah i just like keeping different stuff on them all the time what are what are all of your guys's like couple couple bits that you tend to go to the most I love J and C's bits. Like I love I all of them. I, and they fit my hands really well. I like them all. I've been riding this week. I bought a. It's actually a. It's a J and C noseband, but it's a junior cow with a chain, and it has a roller in it. And I ran Finley in it, and I really liked her in it. But I've been riding in it this week, and I really like that bit. I like Jancy. Chessie's really weird with her mouth and, and um, those bits. They have like a, they really have like a lot of forgiveness. Like they're not straight, so they have like a lot of uh-huh. bend in the mouth. And Chessie really, really likes that. Like th- this horse is like semi-dangerous if you put the wrong bit in her mouth. Like she acts like a total fruit loop if you put a, like a something that doesn't have like some bend in it um, in her mouth. So she's really weird and. She really, really likes the JC bit, so um, I'm a I am a pretty big fan of those, and they do seem all like most of the ones I've had fit my hands um, pretty well too. I agree, but I just bought um, I have a couple Schoen, uh, I think it's Schoenberg bits, and they're kind of pricey. They're but they are nice, nice. Like I I have two of them, and I really like I really like the feel of those. Too. I feel like always go back to that head right bit a lot too. I do ride like stuff. just every day like I mean I, I feel like you it. at least tried on everybody. <laughs> I do. I, I usually go through like um I usually go through like three three different bits um on on everything and everything I have rides is something a little bit different but I have like a couple that I can stick on everybody that I I just feel like they all um, work in and um so the ed right bit is pretty nice and but I like short shank bits I like um like a five a five inch I don't like anything over that I'm not I would I don't like a big shank at all it, they don't fit my hands I've tried them on several different horses and I do not like it so like a short shank is probably the longest thing you're gonna see me have on something that I ride I agree. That's what I do. I don't like. I don't know. I trail ride snaffles, and depending on the horse and what I'm doing. I haven't ridden, which I haven't ridden colts for a while, but like I haven't ridden in a snaffle bit in a long time. It's been a long time since I've had something. I mean, I will trail ride. I have a JNC 
it's a large hex with a cricket and like I trail ride everything in that bit and sometimes if I've lost a little bit of flexion I'll put it on there I'll put it on and ride in it um, because I just myself I can get a lot of flexion back a lot faster in a snaffle um, so I do like to ride stuff in a snaffle sometimes and that bit seems to like fit it fits my hands good and um, it's got enough like bite that I can really get one's attention if I need to but I haven't ran in a snaffle in a long time I can't get along with a snaffle bit it just doesn't even like when our babies come back from getting broke like I don't they're not in a snaffle bit a day I can't I don't I don't know I just can't get along with them they just don't fit me but I've I also, I'm not very handsy, so I feel like even if I do put a bigger bit on a horse's mouth, like, it's all in how you pull. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and I like, see, I like my horses, like, against the bit a little bit, and I like to have, I don't want to have so much bit that if I need to get a hold of you and I need to handle you, that it's going to piss you off. So, like, I have to have something that, because I don't feel like I'm rough-handed, like, like, I don't feel like I jerk on a horse, but, like, if I want to get in your face and, like, help you around a barrel or something, like, I have to have a bit that's light enough that I can do that without pissing one off. So, I'm not going to put a big shank on with a curb or whatever to where if I grab a hold of you, you're going to sling your head and get mad. Like, I just, so I think that's why I can't, I can't ride in, like, snaffles because, to be completely honest, I would rather have to drag on one a little bit in a run that have one so freaking light that like I barely have to touch it. That's just me. I want a horse that is, I want a horse that's like a little bit heavy in my hands. I want them to come around. I don't want them to fight me, but like I want to be able to feel them. I don't like like super, super light, which I feel like, I feel like Becca is probably the absolute opposite of that. So. Yeah, I'm I don't, totally the opposite. <laughs> I'm totally the, I'm like in between you guys because I want a horse that's like really light and responsive. Like if I don't have to move my hands, that's awesome. Like I would take that. Oh, like bag. I want to sit in the middle. Yeah. I want to sit in the middle, hold the horn and then come around the barrel. Yeah. And so, but <laughs> also I'm in, I'm like Ashley in the way because of Reese. Reese got me. I'm not heavy-handed. Like, I don't jerk on them. I've never ran a horse's mouse or nothing like that. But, like, Reese coming from you and Julie riding her, too, and stuff, like, she is against the bit, which I like. I love everything about her. But I noticed, like, with Bernice that I was kind of putting her against the bit, and that's not naturally how she wants to be. So I wouldn't want a big shank or, like, I mean, what I have is okay, but, like, I wouldn't want any more than that. I wouldn't want a big bit. I like the feel like I just like the feel of not a horse fighting me but like I like the feel of like a horse laying against my hand and like coming around to it and um, so like I said like if I can if I have to put a snaffle on a horse um, so that I can handle them a little bit more like I would rather do that than put a shank and then this be so freaking light that I can't touch them like I just I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I don't, I like the perfect horse. I like the horse that's like running through your hands down the alleyway and I don't have to kiss or kick to make them go fast because I'm not great at that either. Um, but <laughs> also I like them to turn on their own. <laughs> yeah. So, so one more question that isn't a question, but I'm going to ask it because I want to know. Do you, would you rather have a, like a horse that was a free runner or a horse that, that was like rating? 
not not and I don't mean ready knocking barrels I just mean a horse that's gonna like rate and set and turn hard or do you like a horse that's like a you know like a free runner that you gotta like help a little bit more I think you have to tell us your definition of free runner first because I think so many people view that differently do you I, mean like to me a free runner is just a horse that I don't have to get after a horse that just wants to run but it doesn't mean that they run to the fence like I, as long as I pick up and I ask that horse to turn like it's still gonna sit and turn but it's just not something that I've got to like that I've got to like hustle to the barrel like it's something I'm gonna sit quiet on and I'm just gonna let that horse work so to me like it would be like free runner would be like penny like crystal browning's horse you know like she's just gonna Even go in there she and, run. and turns really she's well she's gonna get turn the, you yeah. don't have to hustle that mare like she's gonna run and then like you know rady like i feel like like um to me uh finley would be like kind of more like rady because i feel like you have to hustle her a little bit but she's honest like so yeah, yeah. you know like that's what I mean by that. Like, I think some people think free runners, like, run to the fence. I no, too. that's not what I, I'm talking about. Like, a true, nice free runner or a true, nice, like, set down rating horse. Free runner. You're a free runner? Yeah, uh, because I, I, like, I have goals. I want to get to the 1D one day, but I'm not a person that's going to chase after a horse that breaks your It's just not my personality. What about you, Julie? I've rode them all. <laughs> and flashlight has been a test because I've never had one like him because he's he's a free I would call him a free runner um, and right. he was he's just very intimidating sometimes because he he's so strong and he feels like he's running so hard but I always question if he'll turn right my my thing and I get in his way and everything else but um so he's been I think all the horses I've run besides Hun Hun and she would just drop she'd break down and drop and turn and but she was more of a free runner as well um but I've read more of the push style I believe right. than I've have free runners but um uh, I like the free running I like the free runners. Because I feel like you're not riding the guts out of them. Right. Yeah, you're not working as hard because they're just going to go. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. What about you, Becca? I don't, like, I don't have a lot of energy in my body so I struggle to get a horse to like run That's how out I from am. underneath me yeah I'm really yeah. quiet like even when Finley was different cause she she was just a, like she knew how to run but like ears when we were first starting ears on a pattern I would, I couldn't get her to, to lobe out and I told Taylor I said I need you to ride this mare for a couple weeks and get her to run and, and some of that too is I'm scared of what they're going to do when they start running. Like, right. are they going to dump? Are they going to dump me? Like, what are they going to do when they start running? Right. And so that's a lot of it. And so Taylor got her to start running, and then once she learned how to move out, like that's what she did. She's a free runner. Like she'll she can fly. Right. But I also like, but I don't want to have to grab a hold of one either. Like I, I don't like like Tater's kind of like that. Like he's a free runner that you have to grab a hold of, and yeah. I don't want that. 
Like, I want a horse to run out from underneath me to their spot, and I don't want to touch them, and I want them to roll back and go to their next barrel. Right. And I think the really good ones but, can do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, ears yeah. go. I mean, that's like, what she does. She yeah. runs hard and just hooks it. I mean, yep. you know. Yeah. Like, she's, you ride her to her spot, and she does her job. And Finley's the same way. Like, Finley's like that, but you do have to chase her. As she's gotten older, she's figured out she doesn't have to run as hard. Yeah, I mean, she's not lazy. I don't mean that mean, but, I mean, she's not a horse that's going to, like, run out from... Like, I've seen you chase her, yeah. like, a little bit in the pen, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah, like, she's she's a lot different than ears. Like, ears, right. you want her calm and chill, and then, like, you want her to move out from underneath you. Right. But, so I like them. I get along with a free runner because I can't get one to run. Like, if they can't run, then I can't make them. Yeah, I'm but like I don't want too. one. But I don't want to grab a hold of one. I don't like that. I don't want when I grab when I touch them, just touch them. They need to come back to me and turn. Yeah. Like I, I don't grab a hold of them. I can get a hold of them like that. But I like them to run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I am. I, I'd rather have a horse run through my hands a little bit. Um, and then I, like, naturally, like, I check. Like, I'll check a couple strides out. Not, like, a big check, but I'll pull and then release. And then when I get there, I'll pull again. So, like, I don't care to – I don't care. Like I said, I, I kind of like to be able to handle mine a little bit. And, like, Chesney is not like that. She does not want to be handled at all. So, like, she's a challenge. Um, Chesney's actually really hard to run. Um, she's not, like, she's hard to explain, and it's a lot of just feel with her, um, but she's actually not really my style. I, I get along with her, and, and I make it work with her, but, um, she is, she's not, now she wants to run, like, I don't have any trouble getting her to run, like, she runs hard, but, um, she is pretty, she can be, like, kind of rady, and, um, but she gets real mad, like, she gets mad if you get in her face a lot, and, I don't know. She just, she's kind of hard. She's hard to explain. Like, she's I don't know how I would tell anybody she's how to She's dramatic. She's dramatic. She is dramatic. Yeah, she is. She's kind of like Finley a little bit. Like, that's how Finley is. Like, you, you ride her to her spot and you stay out of her way. Yeah. Yeah, she gets mad if I have to handle her, like, very much. Now, I, I can... I can pull her around. Like, if she's in her spot and she's coming around, like, I can handle her a little bit. But, like, if she's not in her spot and I have to move her, it pisses her off. Like, she's not about it. Yeah. So, and Timber's the opposite. Like, she runs real hard and she goes in and she sets. Um, but, like, you have to, you have to, like, tell her to set. She's not, she's not going to go in there. Like, she'll suck up the first barrel. But I have to, like, I have to grab her and tell her to do it she's there's no fight and she does it but that that thing runs like a freight train though like she yeah yes yeah if she ever when she gets her shit together she's gonna be nice thanks for listening to our podcast where we're not so rich not so famous but but we're we're all all trying trying to be. be